Hello and welcome back to the show, City of a Thousand Trades. Um, the podcast is brought to you by Brew121 and hosted by myself, Dixie. Um, the guest I got on the show today, technically it's history in the making because you're the first female. <laughs> the first female to come on. So thanks for coming on. Um, do you mind, Rachel, just introducing yourself for me, how you would introduce yourself to someone who didn't know you? Most of my time is taken up by my three children. I work, I come home. I bath the children, I bed the children, and then go back to work again the next day. <laughs> what do you work as? Um, I'm an administrator, but I'm actually completing um, a level three apprentice. I've just completed my level two. Got Congratulations. It's the first proper qualification because obviously I've done my GCSEs and then I was pregnant before I left school, so. How old, how old was you when you was pregnant? Uh, so I was 15 when I found out I was pregnant and it was actually my mum that noticed that I wasn't, um, too much info coming on my periods so she made me do a test well, hang on your mum <laughs> noticed before you that you wasn't coming on your yeah. periods how's that happened you must be very close well she used to empty the uh, bathroom bin in it so <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't one of your chores it wasn't wasn't no i didn't have chores like my mum done everything for me so she noticed i wasn't using my products and she was like <laughs> what's going on you know you didn't notice that your body hadn't bled well, no, because I think we caught it quite early, to be fair. Right, right, right. Um, so, obviously, me and my mum kind of synced a little bit in our cycle. So, I'd always come on, like, a week after her, and I didn't. So, when she noticed, she was like... But where are you? Come well, join me. Yeah, yeah. Why, why am I only moody? Yeah. Well, yeah. Why am I the only one filling up the bin? <laughs> <laughs> and emptying it at that point. Well, before, um, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk a little bit about your, your pregnancies in a bit. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a tradition on the show to tell us where you're from and then tell us your life and tell us how you got to who, who you are, who's performing I'll today. give it a good try anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I, I grew up in Erdington most of my life. Okay. Um, I was, was actually... born? No, I was born and my mum took me home uh, to a home in Handsworth. So I was actually posh, born... Posh, mm, Is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm, yeah, joking, I'm joking. Um, my mum and dad used to. Um, my mum and dad met in Edwards Number Eight. Edwards Number Eight used to be, I believe, it used to be down by um, where the old brook was, the sexual health clinic. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, the best way to describe it. I don't know where the old brook was. I only uh, know the one where it is now, uh, by uh, where Tail Bay used to be and the yes, Island Bar. Yeah, yeah, around by there. Isn't that still there? Possibly, but yeah, I think it used to be down there. And it got burnt down and they rebuilt it, but it was never the same from what my mum says. So yeah, they met in a rock bar. Were they both rockers? Both, both. rockers, both, yeah, interesting lives. <laughs> but my dad always grew up in Erdington on the Brookvale. So he grew up there and then I ended up growing up there. Okay, the Brookvale Park Estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah with Big yeah. Lake. Beautiful area, just shame about the people. I really had problems. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, things started happening more once my dad had passed away. I was seven and my brother was um, three when my dad died. So, yeah, and problems started happening then. I think they saw my mum as vulnerable. She was on her own. She was grieving. You know, it was it was hard for her. Is it one of them areas where? Is everyone there nosy and in on everyone's Everybody business? knows everyone's business. There's always rumours going round. 
one of them ones like that's how we felt there so you always lived there what was it like when your dad was alive oh it was, it was amazing had the best time ever you know my dad was always very um playful with me and my friends and he'd come out and he'd like meet my friends and we'd play like Aki123 or British Bulldog those classic, the classic games stuck in the mud stuck in the mud yeah, yeah. Um, because directly outside my house there was a big playing field of grass with just two trees so we used to have like football posts we used to use the trees as football posts and there was a time where like we pushed my brother down down um, the big hill and he fell into the lake and like just gra- just fun yeah you know? a childhood yeah, and like my dad used to yo-yo all the time. He used <laughs> to do yeah, he used to do tricks like okay. with these. So he was really good on the yo-yo. And um, I remember um, he used to come and collect me from school, and all the kids were just surrounding, watching him do these tricks with the yo-yo. And like, he was just like, I had the coolest dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he had long hair. He never lost his eighties hair. He had long hair, and yeah, he was cool, man. Um, but yeah, sadly he he died of und- undiagnosed cancer. So, is that a common thing? Do you know? Um, cancer is quite cancer's cancer's rife in our family. I mean, my granddad had it on his hand. He had skin cancer, and that was diagnosed. But that was like early nineties. But this sort of cancer, it was stomach cancer. So they just kept. The, I mean, the doctors and the hospital just kept fobbing him off with like, uh, oh, it's a sickness bug or. You know, he's not eating right or irritable bowel syndrome. And actually, he was just riddled. By the, by the time he died, the post-mortem showed he was riddled head to toe in cancer. And my mum got the appointment through the post for his hospital appointment on the day of his funeral. So the hospital wasn't even up to date with what had happened to him. So it's pretty traumatic to be fair. Yeah, I can only imagine, like, for that sort of thing to happen so young. Yeah. Do you think it's then affected who you've become? I mean, I'm a little bit hardened to death because I've already lost one of the most important people in someone's life. So to me, death now is just someone's gone. Like, that emotion's always still going to be there. You're never going to lose that for someone. Um... I haven't struggled with it. I'm happy to talk about it, but my brother does struggle. Mm. I think, and I do think it stems from him being younger. Him maybe. being younger, he didn't have those memories of my dad. He doesn't have those memories, and I do. So at least I've got I've got that, and he doesn't. So, but even when my dad died, like when I went back into school, obviously I had a long time off school after that. And when I went back into school the first day back, I had people chanting at me, "Where's your daddy gone?" I mean, how cool is that? God. Were those kids in your class? They weren't in my class. They were older children, so, like, a couple of years older, you know. And, uh, yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a nice time. How did the school deal with that? They didn't. They didn't. You know, there was no such thing as counselling for children back then. You just had to sort of... It was mum's job to do that. Early noughties, that's when we was all sort of going through it like but that's rough yeah that's not really rough did it ever make you feel like you wanted to leave Birmingham or at least Erdington we left the Brookvale mm-hmm. um, we have 
we didn't leave Erdington because it's where every, it's where everyone was. Like I was at school there, my brother was at school there. We knew the area, we was comfortable there. I think if my mum had her time again, not thinking about us, she would have moved back to her roots, which is Sally Hall. She was thinking of us and any mum would, wouldn't they? So Are you glad that she made that decision for you and your brother? Uh, I guess so, because we wouldn't be where we are now without those decisions, would we? Like, without these things happening in our lives, we wouldn't be the people we are now. Like, I often think, well, what would have happened if my dad was still alive? Mm. Or, like, would I have? Would I have got pregnant at that age? There's so many questions that you can never answer, but it does play on your mind. I can, I can almost certainly say my dad wouldn't have been letting me go out with boys. <laughs> well, I would have preferred you going out with girls. Well, no, I don't think that either. But you know, like he would always, he would have always dropped me off and brought me home. Like I wouldn't have been able to stay out. I wouldn't have been able to hide things as easily because there would have been two parents, or you know. And obviously, it's not my mum's fault that she was in that position and she had my younger brother to look after. And maybe I, I saw that. And as a teenager, you just do stupid shit. I'm interpreting that in your teenage years you maybe went off the rails a little bit little bit yeah tell us about that then yeah so and actually before you do do you think that is a direct result of what happened uh, when you was young losing your losing your parent or do you think you you had that in you you maybe always would have been a bit of a rebel <laughs> no I th- I do think it stems from what you go through as a child where I work now we deal with a lot of i've had training on what they call childhood aces which is adverse childhood adverse childhood experiences mm-hmm. so evidence shows that if you experience trauma as a child it will have a knock-on effect for basically the rest of your life if it isn't dealt with and obviously at the time of my dad's death that wasn't really dealt with and then we was bullied so that was another trauma you know then we got then we moved house that was another change you know so i suppose by the time we'd moved house um i suppose yeah and i mean i always craved attention and i got it from boys as slaggy as that sounds i did i think that's important i like i think there's something bad in where we look at women who who are looking for attention and a lot of men well, our men tend to see that as, oh, well, she's just a slag, mm-hmm. rather than looking at the reason of why yeah. someone would be acting. I mean, the same way teenage that... boys act violent, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's a there's similar always, way of acting out. There's always a reason why these kids or teenagers, and I mean, I'm going through it now with my teenage daughter, there's always a reason why they behave the way they do, whether it's because their parents don't care or whether they've been through trauma or you just don't know what's happened in that person's life to make them that way so i'm very open-minded in that respect doing what i do now um so i mean yeah there's always a reason and it doesn't condone the behavior i recognize that what i did although i wouldn't change it now because i have my daughter and she's the best thing ever like yeah it was stupid getting pregnant as a teenager who wants that i didn't want that but it happened and you have to deal with it and it would have been very easy for me to go down the route of 
drugs, alcohol misuse or, you know, but I didn't and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and I think that's something that you uh, I definitely should be proud of. Yeah. Look, I definitely think you should be I'm proud not one of for bigging myself up, but everyone always tells me, you know, you could have easily took the wrong route and you haven't and, you know, yeah. It's good, it's, it's good, it's, I'm glad that I can show my children that it didn't impact me in a negative way and it actually, like, it makes me who I am today, doesn't it, like, what I've been through and... What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly, that I am, I hate to say it, but I am probably an example of that. It's made, It has made me stronger and it's made me tough and I'm resilient to uh, quite a lot of things. Can you take us to your rebellious teenage years? <laughs> you said like you could have easily took the wrong path. Yeah. <clears throat> Can you pinpoint moments or times where that could have happened and you chose the right path? Um, I had a boyfriend when I was 13 and he was the first person, too much info, to ever touch me properly. Yeah. And at 13, that's a young age. like. My daughter's 13 now, and to think I was her age doing the things I was doing is nuts. Like, I can't even, it's crazy. And uh, he split up with me. It wasn't a very long relationship, but like I said, I craved that attention and I got it, so I took it. And he split up with me, and I was quite big when I was 13, I was quite fat. <laughs> but after he split up with me, I ended up having an eating disorder on the back of that so I stopped eating I left school probably the no end of November time year nine-ish year eight year nine and I went back in the January totally different person and it was when I left I was fat and a chav and but what, what I mean by chav is you know cap trainers jogging bottoms jeans and I went back as a goth Overnight. What's a goth? A goth. Oh know. God, the best thing ever. <laughs> no, I mean like you know, all black, really heavy makeup. New rock boots. Rock. Oh, I didn't go that far. <laughs> I just I, I stopped at Converse and DC trainers. So I suppose it was more more like rocker emo, and my heart still remains there, man. That emo stage. I, we spoke about this but yeah well we did speak about it and I actually wanted to bring it up with you uh, that sort of because I, I don't know if it is relative to Birmingham or not I couldn't say because I've never grown up anywhere else but when back back in the time when we was in school which I'm talking like early 2000s yeah. it was a lot more I think kids very much identified with as you just said I'm a chav I'm a rocker, I'm an emo. Yeah, there's always that label. There's a label. Someone yeah. always had a label for you. And, yeah. um, but now, I feel like kids that age in early secondary school, they don't have their own identity. No, no. I think that's and if and, and if they do have their own identity, they're seen as a threat and then they get picked on for it. I mean, I was picked on for being different. So actually, I was just me. It was someone else that gives us that label. Yeah. And we gave them the Chav label and they gave us the Goth label. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we didn't go to the same school. No. But so things were a little bit different for me. I don't like, and again, we're, we're not the exact same age, even though we're from a similar generation, we're not the same age. But no, a couple of years. A couple of years difference there. But 
for me, I very much wanted to identify as, uh, you know, an emo, a rocker when I was that age. I very much wanted to. I don't know where that desire came I think, from. I Not- actually think I did. Whilst I was in there, I was like, yeah, this is me. I'm an emo. I love it. For me, they were the best years of my life. Between the age of 13 and before I found out I was pregnant, I had some really good times. Really good times. Not legal at all, but really good. <laughs> did you Did you ever um, used to hang out in, in town, St Paul's Cathedral, but Pigeon Park? Pigeon basically. Park, oh gosh, yeah, what a place. Yeah, that's that's changed as well. Yeah, so I, see, I didn't know that until I spoke to you a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, do people even still go there anymore? Like, do the goths still go there? And you was like, nah. I was like, what has happened to Birmingham? <laughs> I mean, maybe they do when I'm not there. I can't say I'm in town as, like, frequently as I would have been when I was 30 like I was in Pigeon Park every like Saturday I somewhere. was religiously I'd, my mum would give me the bus fare and I'd be off the whole day in town I'd have two sausage rolls for lunch and a pot noodle for tea and donuts I love donuts yeah. or, <laughs> a milkshake or WKD <laughs> no it's MD 2020 for me MD 2020 oh have you never had that oh my god it gives you the worst hangover ever Really? Yeah, it's the cheapest alcohol we could get that got you wrecked. What type of alcohol? It was kind of a bit like, it was a bit like a stronger version of, um, it's classed as a wine actually, but they'd done it all in all different flavours. My favourite was the blue raspberry. It was bright blue, you know, fizzy, drink it square bottle. I even painted a mural of it on my wall. I loved it that much. (laughs) My mum came into my room, she's like, what the hell is that? I was like, MD2020. So that's what you're doing, you're up Yeah, Park. man, White Lightning, MD2020, you know. Best years I, of your life. Yeah, I was like 14, 15, living my best life. Give us um, a story from Pigeon Park times. Oh, my God, I'll never forget the time where I didn't drink that day. Well, maybe I did drink, but anyway, I probably did drink. We was drinking and smoking, and then... Uh, my friend was so drunk on the floor and she threw up in my lap. Oh. It's not a funny story, but it's a memorable one. You know, and I'll never forget it. And we had to wake her up before the police came and took her. <laughs> you know, and like to think, kids, I don't even know if kids do that nowadays. No, I don't, like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I, it's really hard to tell. Is yeah. It, I was hoping you could tell me because you've got a teenager. A teenager. Yeah. You know My what? kids are still very much actually, under five. Actually, I think technology's got a lot to do with why kids don't go out anymore. They're always on their phones. They're always on YouTube. They're just sat at the computer all the time. In a way, I think Pigeon Park was like our my well, we had MySpace, but it was like our Facebook, like yeah. that was our social media. Yeah. I used to go up there I and talk to random r- r- I'm like, do you mind if I just? It was like being in school. I'd be yeah. like, can I just come and chill the with you for a bit? The people I met in Pigeon Park that we had like the best laughs with, just walking around town. We wasn't causing trouble. Like we were just having a good time and having fun and chatting and eating and drinking and you know paddling in the floozy in the jacuzzi, you know, that big fountain at Victoria Square. The amount of times we've been in there, it's it was amazing. Like They've let it all um, grow over now. Yeah, so, no, I, I don't go into Birmingham because 
I'll be honest with you, it's changed so much. I'm almost frightened to go into Birmingham now. When you say go into Birmingham, you mean like town? Town, yeah, town, the, like city, the, the centre. city centre. Yeah. yeah. So you do, you do actually live in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in Birmingham, and I, don't, I hardly ever leave Birmingham to be fair. But um, yeah, I don't go into the city centre very often now. It's just changed too much. Is that what is that frightens you? The change. The change. The people like these, and I mean, I'm not saying that it will ever happen while I'm up there, but these you know gang attacks or terrorist attacks or you know just random stabbings like that frightens me and mm. i don't want to be witness to that so i choose not to go i i, I can wholeheartedly empathize with you on that it's scary but i think a lot of it is fear-mongering from, yeah. from like from i don't know i don't know who maybe the government but i think the main problem is from media because a scary story like a random a random stabbing like I'm guessing you're referring to that guy it was like a year ago now probably but he, he went up saying like I was randomly just going around yeah like little things like that or you it's, know. it's not like they don't happen they definitely happen but I feel like that sort of thing it gets a lot of views you know what I mean it gets yeah. a lot of clicks and then they want the end of result is people end up feeling like that like how you do people end up feeling like oh, I'm too scared to just leave my house I yeah. can't just go I think my, my youngest my youngest daughter, who's four, she I've never took her into Birmingham City mm. Centre. She's never been. I, I don't even think my, my eight-year-old's been, unless she was a baby. I think, you know, my elder daughter has been, um, but she's always been with me and her dad. Like, we wouldn't let her go up there on her own. Yeah. And that's sad, because we had that freedom. And it was... It was enlightening to go out uptown as a 13, 14 year old and you yeah. have that freedom. Do you know what I miss? I miss old New Street because I never used to pay for the train. Did you no. know about Always the train? Always train hopping. Yeah, and everyone would be like, no, Although you can't. They've got the barriers. I, I did get caught the once and I had to, and my mum almost killed me for getting a £20 fine. Really? I've had a few. I had quite a few over my time. But the amount of times I used to hop the train so much that uh, I'd get this £20 fine after like six months of hopping the train or a year of hopping the train yeah, and I'm like yeah that? £20 a year yeah, yeah. No worries, that's way cheaper than a well yeah. no way cheaper than a train pass yeah. but yeah you used to get into the lifts and it would take you out the opposite, opposite yeah. side yeah, by the, the taxi park. rank yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that yeah I love man that. yeah I mean I, the thing is about being scared of going uptown I just can't I feel like the longer you leave it, the worse it becomes. Yeah. So I try to make a point of at least going to town or through town as often as I can. Yeah. Um, you know, I recently started working in a charity shop in town. Uh, like I'm still doing there and volunteering at the moment. I won't say which one. But uh, on my second day, like it, it is a bit mad. Like someone ran in and was called me a white prick. <laughs> I don't even know what I did. <laughs> Just white. <laughs> yeah, I know. I am a bit of a prick. And you're I a bit suppose. of a prick. Well, yeah, they had a point. But, you know, like, it, that sort of stuff is just as rife in Erdington, say. Yeah. Like, I, I go through Erdington a lot. I've got family there. And I am very comfortable there. But you at see, the same time, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable now. You see, that's like me. Like, I moved out of Erdington when I had my second baby. So I've been out of Erdington um, for... It'll be almost, it'll be eight years soon. And when I go back into Erdington, if I have to go on the train, I am very nervous getting off the train in Erdington and walking that short journey to my mum's. Mm. Um, 
because where I live now, you don't see very many gangs around where I am now. And I try and explain to eldest about the gangs in other areas. She doesn't get it because she doesn't see it. She, you know, um, so, and she's noticed the difference with like how the streets are kept in Erdington, like there's rubbish everywhere. Like it's just unkept. There's just no love for it anymore. People don't have the love for it. Whereas where we are, we have a community litter picker every Saturday. I can think of better things to do in my time, but it does keep the area nice. So, you know, can't complain about that. You'd think uh, there'd be plenty of people to volunteer in Erdington. Yeah, very deprived area now. It is a very deprived area. But you can see that creeping into Sutton as well now. There's so many derelict shops and stuff. Uh, that Sutton's are... a ghost town. I've been through yeah. there recently. It's horrible. Yeah. There's horrible atmosphere in Sutton. Yeah. Really horrible atmosphere. But who, who do you think's at fault for Erdington? And maybe just the city in general getting more dangerous? I think it's lack of support for people. Like, there's nowhere for kids to go. There used to be youth centres when youth we were centers. younger. Youth centres, in fact, um, one has just started up in, in up by up by us, and my daughter and her friends will go there on a Friday afternoon. Costs a pound from half three till five, and they play games and everything with them. How did you find out about that? How did you know to, that they could go there? Did That's a good question. Um, my daughter um, goes to the shops and stuff with her friend after school. And I think she just went there the one Friday with a friend, obviously, to meet her mum. And she came home with the paperwork, and it was like, all oh, sign up to this youth group, half three till five, cost a pound, you know. Um, and they actually done a movie night a few weeks back where it cost a pound, but the church ordered McDonald's for all the children. They could order whatever they like. Oh, that's really nice. It is nice. And, I mean, it comes down to funding as well, doesn't it, like and how much they've raised or whatever. But I think you've got to have that community spirit and that love for your area for those things to happen and those things to be in place. Um, and I think people have just lost lost that now. And I don't know, I can't, I don't understand why. I, f I definitely think there's a lack of community. Yeah. Not, not just in Erdington, but It's everywhere. almost like, everyone is for themselves. Like It's almost like dog eat dog. Like, mm. nobody cares anymore. Like you get those few pe few people or few communities that will care for one another, and I'm just lucky that we are we are in one of those communities now. Yeah, I mean, I, where I live, there is definitely a community, but I don't want to be part of the community. Yeah, that's like so that's, that's like my husband. I don't know if that's the Erdington in me. That is yeah, like I it just is. don't want to know. It is. Wanna... My husband is exactly the same. He doesn't want to know anybody he's like they don't need to know our business blah 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 and i'm like yeah but they could help us or there could be something out there for us or you know just get to know these people they're actually really nice and he's just like no yeah the thing is but it's like once that's already in you then how do you get rid of that you can't and there's a saying that i go by you can take the girl out of erdington but you can't take the erdington out of the girl <laughs> Yeah, and I've come across really that a lot recently. People deal with things very differently in my area than we would in, in Erdington. Like we're all, we confront people in Erdington. Where I live, they don't. They recoil into the shells. 
and they just hide away. Like, for us, we've moved out of Erdington, but we've took that part of Erdington with us. So, of course, that's naturally going to spread to the people that we're in contact with in that area. And maybe we're having a... Maybe some of it is positive, like, oh, just don't let people bother you. Whereas before, it might have really upset them that someone called them whatever name. But we hardened to that because we we heard it all the time. You know, it's normal to us. Yeah, I'm, I, I like to be hopeful and think we, we pass on that sort of thing, but then uh, like other things are passed on to us. So like with you saying that you've embraced the community a little bit yeah. where you live. Yeah. Um, so you've you've took good parts from fact, what they've said. When I go back into Erdington to see friends now, they always say, "Oh, you're such a snob now. You live in Sutton," and I'm, I don't feel like I am, but clearly I come across a bit posh now. But I don't intend to. <laughs> I said it was more Four Oaks where you lived. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is posh. Yeah, well. There's a snobby, a snobby area that is. Still in social housing though, and I think people forget that just because you're in a posh, posh area, that there is still social housing in those areas. In in those areas, do those people look down on you? Yes. So the the, the real posh ones. Yeah. With no Erdington in them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, because... How can you tell? What what do the... I mean, it's almost like... I always I always get a vibe from the school parents, because I'm, like, the youngest mum there with three children. <laughs> and they're all, like, because they've... Maybe they've grew up in... And I don't know their background, but, you know, they're older mums, or what I would see as older mums, like, in their 40s, 50s, you know... And they look at me, and I can just feel them looking at me. Maybe I'm imagining it, but I can feel them looking at me as if to say, "Wow, she's got three kids, and she, look how young she is. Like, how how has she made it to Four Oaks?" I don't ever broadcast that I'm in social housing. I mean, I don't mind it being on this because we're having that open conversation. But like, I won't go to the school and go, "Oh, I live in that social housing block," you know. They don't need to know that. But at the same time... that's going to define me then, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like that will define me if they think, oh, she, she lives in social housing. I feel like they'll just look down on me straight away then. I'd rather them get to know me first, but then I don't let people get to know me because I'm frightened of being judged. You said you don't broadcast out that you live in social housing. But at the same time, would you say you're not ashamed? No, I'm not ashamed because... At least I've got a roof over my head. You've got to be grateful for that, haven't you? Like, the main thing for me and for my children was getting out of Erdington because it is so different there now. And where we are now, we're lucky to have those good schools and you are going to get nasty people wherever you go. But it's not as bad as where we came from and I do see that difference mm-hmm. that is a big class divide as well a big class divide in like in almost like status and like in Erdington well between Erdington and where we are like Sutton Four Oaks you know there's that big class divide and there shouldn't be like everybody should be just be treated as neutral you don't know people's backgrounds you don't know why they're in that social housing you know it's and I actually look at the richer people and think fair play to you you've worked hard for what you've got just because I haven't got that yet doesn't mean I'm never going to yeah you know 
That's important. And I'll be happy to stay where I am as long for as long as I am. I'm not I'm not money hungry. That was the next thing I was gonna ask you. Do you think you'll stay where you are? Do you think you'll always stay in Birmingham? Do you think that's where your family will be? No. 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 We're looking at moving out of Birmingham. Really? Yeah. We want to go sort of Litchfield, Canacray. Okay. Sort of a bit more out in the sticks. But still know. local. Still local like, enough not, to be not able a million to, miles away. Yeah, still local enough to be able to get to my friends and family, but not local enough to have that I suppose that anxiety of the busy city and you know, I wanna be in a field in the middle of nowhere. Why? Just I don't know. That, I honestly cannot answer that. That will Do you think it'll just bring you peace? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It puts your mind at rest, isn't it? Like, if you've got no neighbours, you can't upset anyone. Like, you're always, you always, you live in fear of upsetting someone or saying the wrong thing or, you know, looking at someone the wrong way. You know, and I don't want my kids to feel like that in the future. So, for us, we want to move. It's going to take a long time, probably, but, you know, you never know what's around the corner, do you? No, you don't. Um, I was just going to lead that into a bit of a wrap up, but you've you've triggered a bit of a story in me that I'm just I'm just going to throw out there. So I was sat in my living room, like sat on my sofa uh, a few nights ago. This was, and uh, he's smashing outside, mm. and I think that like, I thought, oh, maybe it's a car getting broken into or something. So even though I don't drive, I don't have a car out there. I do know some of the neighbours, so I'm just having a look out for the neighbours and uh, so look out the the window to see. This is about 10 o'clock at night. Um, so, like, my kids are in bed. My partner was at work. Uh, so, I was, I was more or less alone alone in the house. And, like, I looked out the window. The light was off. I was watching TV. Uh, and there's a bunch of kids stood in, like, the path that leads up to my block. And I know none of these kids are from this block as well. Uh, and they're, like... At first, I was thinking, is that the window? So, I looked a bit closer to get a, a better look. And uh, one of them see me and he's like, oh, he's going to call the police and then run off. Obviously, I wouldn't call the police on kids. But I was surprised at my own reaction because I would have thought I would have opened the window and be like, fuck what off, the fuck dad. are you doing? Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Because like, I know for a fact there's three kids that live in this block. Uh, I have a dog. I've got to take it down that path. I can't walk around it. There's a bush there. So, like, he's going to, like, if I don't move, he's going to cut his paws on all this yeah. stuff. Uh, and like I said, I know the other family's got a little baby as well. Like, so I should have shouted, but they ran off before, and uh, it probably put me into a bit of a thing of like, how do you deal that with that with kids? Yeah. With other people's kids, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, especially I mean, when it's very close to home. Yeah, I mean, my husband would hang out the window and tell him to fuck off down your own end, as the same was when we were kids. Like, if we were outside someone's house that we weren't meant to be, it'd be our oh, fuck off down your own end, or you know, but. I think now kids don't have fear of authority yeah. and they don't have respect for their they they don't have respect for older people so we could we could shout out the window or piss off or whatever chances are they ain't going to move and they're going to hurl a load of abuse back at you so i mean that's what the police are meant to be there for but they're so overstretched with other stuff they can't these kids are being missed yeah but again, ask yourself why these kids are out so late. 
You're talking 13, 14 year olds being out at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, they're like, 13. They're about 13. I know. Why are they out so late? Because I, I tell you, my daughter wouldn't be out that late. That's what stopped me, to be honest. That's what stopped me. And I thought, I really thought about that. I, I do know where the livers were, and they're always outside. There's a yeah. group of kids. They are different ages, but I'd say the oldest of them is 13, maybe 14. But they're, they're, there's a group of kids that are, and they're always together. Some of them are really young, and they're still out there at that time as well. Mm. And uh, I think that I've always walked past them and felt sorry for them. But when I've looked at them, they're doing this in my path. My reaction hasn't been, oh, you fucking scumbags or whatever. Yeah. Like, my reaction was like, oh, why are they doing that to me? Like, they have to stroke my dog sometimes. Like, obviously, yeah. maybe they don't know I live here, but yeah. I was just a bit taken aback. Even though I did that sort of stuff and worse as a teenager, to be honest. That's it, isn't it? I mean, I, I'll be honest and I'll say that I never put hurt on somebody else. Like, I would never... And I know you admitted this the other week. I wouldn't play knock door run on someone. But you don't know how it's going to impact on that person in that house. Yeah, true. And and you realise that as you grow, I suppose. As you grow up. As you like, grow up. My daughter probably wouldn't realise the impact that would have on on whatever, but I do try and drill it into them that you don't know why people are the way they are. Like, if they're being nasty or if they're being mean. What's behind it's it? generally for a reason, because maybe they don't get the attention they need or, you know, we've already talked about that, but, yeah, there's always a reason. Before we wrap up, Rachel, got any questions for me? Um, well, do you want to move out of Birmingham? Do I want to move out of Birmingham? It'd have to be somewhere worth it. Yeah. And I definitely wouldn't want to move out of Birmingham for the next 10 years. I'd like to move after that. I'd want to move out of the country, probably. Yeah. At that point, I think that that's... And then I, that's where I'd want to stay in my retirement. You know, people can come out and visit me then. Um, last question then. I'm sure you knew that it was coming. Uh, out of every Brummie... Who would you like to see on the podcast and why? Well, this is probably going to be an impossible one. But That's I fine. think I Ozzy Osbourne would be fucking ace. <laughs> I mean, he was born in Aston. He's done how many drugs? Like, he mumbles like shit. He would just swear all the time. But he would be the best guest. Like, I'd love... True, I'd love to have it. Maybe he'd fly me out to his... Uh, or even virtual. That's a thing now, isn't it? After lockdown, everything's nah, virtual. I want to go. I want to do what the X Factor contestants did when they get to go to oh, Sharon's Judge's house. Houses. Judge's houses, man. Oh, my God. He can, at least, he can at least have me around his house for a beer. Yeah. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne has probably done some fucked up shit in, in Birmingham. One of my best friends, uh, he calls my dad Ozzy Osbourne. And I can I can see the resemblance. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Knowing your called, dad. He's always called him. He's Knowing your exactly dad. like him. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine at school, his brother got um no, no his brother, his uncle got robbed in Aston by Ozzy Osbourne. By Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I heard another rumour about him, which was um I don't know what church it's called, but there's a church not too far from the villa ground. Oh, okay. Uh, and apparently he got thrown out of that church for having a wank. <laughs> Just masturbating what in the a Sunday dirty, service. What a dirty, man, or boy, or whatever, or however old he was at the time. I'll <laughs> well, leave it there. Um, thanks for coming on, Rachel. Thanks for having uh, me. Some of the stuff you talked about couldn't have been easy. So, like, again, thank you for doing that. Thanks for being the first girl as well. Um, and to anyone at home, thanks for listening. Um, the next episode will be coming out uh, at the end of September. No, not the end of September. The first Friday of September. Again, if you. 
listen to my last little intermission, hit me up on my Instagram, which is bro121dixie. If you want to be a guest or you know anyone who you think potentially has a good story and could be a good guest or just has some stuff to talk about. Thanks.